you say hello. You say hello. I say hello. Okay, yes. I say hello. I'm going to walk in. I'm going to walk in. I'm going to walk in. You're going to walk in. in. Okay. Yes. That, okay, is, so that's, that's your new bit now, huh? After, that's my new after bit. Like done five, this in the, okay. four. Welcome to another episode of Talking Kotlin, everybody. It's good to be back. Uh, and I you wanted to do with... this without me, didn't you? You actually wanted to start without me. I tried. No. Hi Hadi. everyone, I'm here as well. Welcome, Hadi. Can I just yeah. say real quick? Great uh, KTOR 2.0 presentation just the other day. I know that's not going to line up time-wise for our viewers, but still, very excited about KTOR 2.0. Thank you very much, and and uh, for for those folks that haven't seen that, uh, I've got a new tactic now. I just walk in all the time. That's why I was walking in here, right? I was just walking in. Yeah, and um, you move. And, and and actually, I've been thinking, Seb. Uh, I think that maybe we drop the whole weather stuff, and every time we enter at different angles. So one time I'll like hang from the ceiling and start coming down, right? And then if you think about it, if each of us do these things. As I was saying, imagine all the combinations of us coming into the picture from diff coming into the frame from different angles. First, you then meet, then combine, then in one order. We could do at least like another 50 shows. And That's then we would think about a different thing to start off the shows with. Yeah. And I think you, you hanging from like a harness would also make a great thumbnail picture for YouTube. I'm sure people are going to click that for certain. No, I totally imagine myself <laughs> over one of these uh, wrecking balls, just like swinging. <laughs> coming in. Again, that, I think that would be a great picture. It totally anyway. Would be. Yes. What are we, what are we doing today, Seth? Today we're talking to Victor Krupp uh, from the Toolbox team. Um, welcome, Victor. Hi, Seb. Hi, Heidi. It's uh, nice to be here. Thanks. Hey, Victor. So just for folks that don't know, the Toolbox team is a team at JetBrains that makes the JetBrains Toolbox, which for folks that do not know, is an application that we have, not to be confused with the old products pack. And for folks that don't know, JetBrains, yeah, we make developer tools and Kotlin. <laughs> What's <Right>. up? <laughs> okay, great. Okay, I guess this is talking Toolbox with Hadi now. Um, okay. That was, I think, that Hadi, good job. I think that was very confusing. Um, Victor, maybe you want to take us a little bit about, uh, maybe you want to take us through what the Toolbox app is and what it does and maybe why people should download it. <laughs> uh, Toolbox is a small application uh, that we envision as a single entry point for development. So if you want to start programming, you open Toolbox and then... First, you can download your favorite uh, ID, like IntelliJ, if you are doing Kotlin. And also, you have a list of all your projects uh, right there. Uh, you can open them in a single click um, and just start working. And if a new version of IntelliJ is released, uh, it can be installed automatically by Toolbox. It will show you a notification and Without uh, much interruption, you can continue your work and you shouldn't care anymore about this routine stuff of updating your ID, keeping it uh, safe and getting all the new features. The box will do it for you. 
can I just can I just say on this topic, by the way, just from me personally, thank you so much for building Toolbox because I I still remember times, you know, I mean, people don't believe it when I tell them now, but there was a time where sometimes the tooling around Kotlin JS was a little bit flaky. Um, and I had situations where I was standing uh, in front of a crowd uh, already on stage and I realized, oh, the new version of IntelliJ that I updated to uh, for some reason doesn't really work with the demo that I wanted to show off. And having the ability to go into Toolbox and say roll back to previous version within like a couple of seconds uh, without having to completely download another binary that saved my uh, that that saved my butt a couple of times for sure. <laughs> yeah, I, I thought you were gonna say I remember the times when I used to uh, have to go to a website and download stuff. I'm like, I remember the times when I used to wait for, for a weekly magazine that would give me a, a CD of uh, of my latest version of software to to get access to. Uh, but talking about uh, having built this, yes, uh, uh, Victor, thank you for building it. Can you tell us? briefly the history of how toolbox came about because it does have an interesting background right yeah exactly there were times when you need to go to the website and download a fresh copy manually and then i don't know install unpack it somewhere and we did it too and a lot of people did it and we were tired of it and then uh, uh, we have an internal hackathon here at JetBrains. Every year, everyone at the, at the company can build anything. Uh, you just have a fixed time frame of uh, 48 hours. And we were a group of six uh, uh, back in 2015. Uh, we decided that we want to automate this process, uh, downloading and updating our IDEs. And just like that, in two days, we built the very first version of Toolbox uh, that already could do the its job uh, to download and update uh, IDEs. And then we uh, introduced this tool to JetBrains, uh, to our colleagues, and they liked it. And we continue working on it. And like in a year, uh, in October 2016, as if I remember correctly, we released it to the public. And since then, we already have uh, a million monthly active users. And I think that's quite, so October, quite October a good number. Two, October 2016. So, so folks to remember the date is, is also when um, Donald Trump got elected. Uh, was, it, was, it, was it around then or not? Just, just, just to make, yeah. Uh, of, Maybe uh, when when the Kotlin was released, I guess it was. Oh yeah, well that's close. Yeah, I guess that's a better association with. <laughs> right. Anyway, so yeah, so uh, and uh, at that time, what kind of uh, tech stack did you did you use for uh, for Toolbox? Oh yeah, that's a great question. Uh, we started in 2015, and in 2015, the development landscape was quite different. Uh, so, for example, Kotlin was not released yet. Uh, neither was uh, Java 9 with the uh, module. So if if uh, we're going to use uh, JVM stack for a cross-platform application, we would need uh, either to ask folks install JVM Java runtime on their machine, or to bundle it with the, with the application, and it would 
enormously increase uh, the size of the distribution. Back in those days, even our IDEs uh, did not ship the Java runtime with the, with them. They relied on what uh, installed on the user's computer. So uh, this this wasn't uh, a choice for us. So we started to look uh, at another cross-platform options because we wanted to support all three major desktop op operating systems. And what, what we had, we had Electron and JavaScript, and, but we, we were not keen to uh, implement everything in JavaScript. Uh, and the uh, only other option for us was C++ uh, because, well, it's cross-platform, very well supported. Uh, there are a lot of uh, libraries to help us to build, to build application. And yeah, that's what we chose. But for UI, for UI, we actually decided to go with an embedded web browser. Uh, that was a hot thing. Uh, at, the, at that time, uh, and uh, it allowed us to build a very nicely looking, beautiful interface in just uh, 48 hours during the hackathon. So we worked with this stack with the C++ for business logic and uh, JavaScript, HTML, CSS with the React for the UI for quite some time. Now that's something you don't hear often. We use C++ for business logic. I mean, not lately anyway. Um, right, so... Yeah, uh, and th that's exactly what's the problem. Uh, because, yeah, it was hard to develop uh, the application in C++. It was hard to find new developers for, for the team because there are a lot of great C++ developers out there, but they are not really interested in such kind of applications. Uh, when, when you speak C++, you speak about high performance, uh, whatever. We, we have a lot of folks writing C++ at JetBrains, but they do uh, performance profilers where they operate gigabytes of data per second, I don't know, or Java runtime, which is, which is again about performance. So regarding the UI, why didn't you use a library such as Qt or Qt? Is that it's pronounced Qt, uh, right? Qt, yep. yeah, exactly. Cute. We yeah. we we did use Qt for uh, business logic for operating with the uh, I don't know JSONs, and we use uh, Qt Web Engine the uh, their uh, implementation their. Uh, uh, yeah, their implementation of uh, Chromium and WebKit built into Qt. Regarding the uh, interface to, to, to use Qt for actual widgets, uh, it wasn't looking nice. And uh, it wasn't native on any platform. So uh, when, when we are talking about uh, user interfaces, I think there are two major directions where you can go. You can either build a fully native application that is... Um, uh, designed uh, and developed for a specific uh, operating system, be it desktop or mobile, and using all the native stuff, and then it will look uh, great, but only on a single platform. And then you need to repeat this exercise two more times, for example, for different desktops. And... And the other direction is to go cross-platform. And in this case, uh, the, the cute approach where they try to mimic 
the UI of a particular operating systems, th- this looks kind of strange. Uh, you, you always, even if, even if you don't know what's wrong, you always notice that this is something different. This is not, uh, the, the, this is not native. Yeah. And, and the other option, you just go and create your own UI and we see it every day on websites. All websites have different buttons. Uh, um, yeah, there were times where they used kind of native buttons and all links were blue and underlined, but that's not the case. The good old days. It was nice, <laughs> simple, beautiful, fast yeah. performance without having to use C++. <laughs> but even now, when uh, each and every website has uh, a button of a different shape and uh, links uh, of different colors, you still can recognize them quite quite good. So there, this is not a problem that they look different. If they work fast and predictable and the overall UI and the user experience is good, then you don't really mind having a button of a different color or form. So just as a short follow-up question on this, I'm I'm not sure if you've actually mentioned it for the the web front-end, quote-unquote, that you're running inside of uh, Toolbox at that time. Uh, what kind of frameworks were you looking at there or libraries? Uh, we were using React, uh, uh, and uh, we already had a rich uh, UI uh, library built on React. It's called Ring UI, and it's used in uh, our uh, web team tools like uh, uh, Team City and Utrek uh, and AppSource back in those days. Uh, so we were. We, we could easily adapt uh, this library to our needs in Toolbox, so it looks it looked familiar uh, to our team tools. So this is, uh, you know, uh, as a segue. I'm not really good at segues. Uh, Seb knows this. Um, uh, and as a segue, are those plants uh, false or real plants behind you? Um, these are these are real plans. Yeah. Okay, great. So that brings us into the the, the topic of this is not talking toolbox, <laughs> as uh, Seb wanted to point out. This is talking Kotlin. Seb, you seem confused. No, uh, I'm I'm amazed. I'm amazed by your ability to to segue, uh, right? I'm, yeah, I I'm should especially... actually walk in on a segue. I should like, I should just be floating like this on a segue all the time. You know the segways. No, I'm I'm especially amazed by uh, you relying on visual gags in a show that people probably also listen to on their commute. So there's yes. a couple of plants behind Victor, ladies and gentlemen, who are uh, not watching but just listening. Yeah, there's a plant behind me as well. Which, by the way, Nafil noticed and he said, "Hey, I love how your decor is improving day by day." I'm like, "Thank you, finally, someone said it." Anyway, coming back to talking Kotlin, why are we even here? Like, we're not talking toolbox. Yeah, great question. Yeah, as I said, uh, we have uh, troubles uh, uh, improving the app written in C++ because, uh, yeah, we, to be honest, uh, we were not good uh, C++ developers and we uh, uh, it was hard for us to find the colleagues. Uh, and also it uh, prevented contribution from other teams. So at uh, some point of time, uh, we decided that we want to migrate uh, uh, the 
application from C++ to Kotlin. At that time, it was uh, possible to cut down the Java runtime into very small uh, distributable uh, and to bundle it with the application without much uh, added uh, size. And developing uh, in Kotlin is much more uh, is is much easier and brings more pleasure for us. And it allowed uh, people from different teams inside JetBrains uh, help uh, us with the integrations uh, with their products. Uh, it allowed us to reuse a lot of code written in uh, our company, for example. Project search in uh, toolbox uh, uses this same exactly the same code that you use in search everywhere in our IDs. Uh, it, it all was not possible with the C++. So we, we first started with migrating from C++ to Kotlin for business logic, but then uh, we also migrated our UI from JavaScript and React uh, to Kotlin. So let's uh, let's take it step by step. Let's talk about the business logic. Can you give us a little bit an idea of how you did it? Because obviously, you know, when you're migrating a Java application to Kotlin, it's fairly simple. It's not okay. it's not fairly simple, but it's you don't have to start from scratch. You can just mix and match Kotlin. Uh, how did you go about that with Toolbox? You know, basically, I assume you were rewriting it in Kotlin. How did you make sure that all of the functionality was there? How did you do the, like, how did you effectively do it? Did you have a list of classes and you started to map them over? Or did you have a list of features and you started to map them over? How was it? Uh, we uh, took our header files from C++. If you ever wrote C++, you know that you have uh, a header file where you put uh, all the definitions and then uh, another file where you put all in the implementations. So we, we took uh, header files and effectively with the sophisticated uh, regular expression, we converted them to Kotlin. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. Just like that. <laughs> so all, all, okay. all, method all method implementations were marked as to-do. You know, this, this is a function from Kotlin standard library that returns nothing. <laughs> Uh, uh, but it was compiling. Yeah, so we, we converted everything and it, it it compiled successfully. It didn't work, obviously. <laughs> oh, uh, oh, mine in detail, <laughs> but hey. Yeah. yeah. So we start uh, implementing methods one by one. Uh, sometimes uh, uh, we were able just to copy-paste uh, C++ co code to IntelliJ, and IntelliJ thought that it was a Java code and converted it to Kotlin with a built-in <laughs> functionality. It worked. We converted all the tests in the same way. Uh, so, yeah, in a few months, uh, we had... A, Working application migrated from C++ to Kotlin as is, uh, I would say. <laughs> and then they say that regular expressions aren't useful. Look at that. They're, they're, they're amazing. Uh, yeah. Still, uh, there were some problems uh, with the third-party libraries. So uh, you, you can't be sure that your code works and you see your code and everything we wrote worked as intended. 
But nowadays, every application uh, relies on a huge amount of third-party code. And this is uh, when uh, the things got complicated. Because even though uh, those libraries may have a similar purpose, like, I don't know, parsing JSON, uh, showing a tray icon, minibar icon, or showing a notification in your operating system, whatever. Uh, they have a similar purpose, but they have different APIs. They have uh, different um, issues in their behavior or uh, error handling or whatever. And then we spend quite a lot of time on getting uh, everything right, uh, adapting to new libraries and so on. And at that point, your user interface was still your your web-based React UI? Yeah, right. Uh, we uh, didn't change uh, a line of code uh, in, in the interface. For, for the interface part of our application, it was absolutely transparent migration. Uh, they... Uh, they interact with each other, business logic and UI with the tons of JSONs uh, we send back and forth. Mm, and yeah, that was an issue why we then uh, wanted to uh, migrate a user interface uh, to Kotlin 2 somehow. Because first of all, when, when you send a lot of JSONs back and forth, uh, it takes uh, a lot of uh, resources uh, to parse and to serialize, deserialize uh, this. And it all happens in the single process. Uh, so this kind of um, insane uh, and the waste of uh, resources and everything. And also uh, when we in developed every new feature, uh, it was quite a complicated process. So maybe for web developers, full stack developers, they are, uh, they are already used to it, uh, where you need to implement part of the feature in, in JavaScript in UI, then uh, an intermediate layer of uh, data transfer objects uh, to pass the data back and forth. And finally, business logic, uh, on, on the server side. But for us, uh, it was uh, quite difficult. Uh, we For every new minor feature, we need to uh, talk to another developer because uh, developers working on Kotlin part uh, and business logic and developer working on the UI were two different people and uh, they didn't know how to do the other part. Resource consumption by, by the browser was also a very important part. Uh, since 2015, uh, the web engine, uh, Chromium web uh, browser only get bigger and bigger and features like uh, video streaming and PDF uh, support uh, these kind of features we do not need in Toolbox app, <laughs> but they they are bundled, and uh, Chromium Engine was never supposed to be modular. It was ever uh, always monolith uh, binary, and yeah, we need to bundle every new version, and it got bigger and bigger and bigger. Um, but so... then you just gave me a brilliant idea, right? Not not what. 
hold on, hold on a second, okay? <laughs> yeah. I click on the toolbox app, right? I get the drop down. You following me? I see all of my tools. <laughs> I scroll down. I see all of the installed tools, right? I see another tab that says watch and you click on it and you get us. You get Seb, you get me, you get the developer advocates, you get a whole bunch of people teaching you about the tools. Of course you need video streaming. It's the thing. And if you could integrate TikTok with it, even better, right? Because we're all going TikTok. Yeah, there you go. You can thank me for the idea later. What version are you at right now of Toolbox? Uh, we are version 121, maybe... Uh, by the time okay, we so, release this episode, uh, it will be 122. Okay, so that's gonna, that's going to be version 2.0, the big change, right? You can watch, okay. not only program. I love it. I love it. And then you can go. I'll like invite you Tesla. to our planning session. Absolutely. And then you could. We could also go down the the Tesla route as well, right? And there's a button that says, you know, entertainment, and then you could like broadcast Netflix from JetBrains Toolbox. <laughs> Okay, but but now but now the question is well, I mean this was this is the alternative timeline, right? Where Toolbox would have stuck with with a Chromium engine and had the whole browser always shipped and be a little bit bloated, but at the ability of showing streaming um, me, baby, yeah, streaming me, streaming streaming Hardy live to your desktop. So, but how did it actually turn out? Because you said you were uh, you moved to Kotlin as well um, for the user interface. In the late summer of 2020, Nikolai Gotti from the Compose uh, team at JetBrains uh, approached me uh, with a question uh, whether we want uh, to try their new development, Compose for desktop, uh, which wasn't announced at the moment. And I said, yeah, we at, at that time we, we were looking for a different... Uh, uh, for a different way to to do our UI, and that seemed to be a good option for us because uh, it ticks all the boxes. It is Kotlin, uh, so we can finally have uh, all parts of our application uh, in the same language and in this in the same process, and it will greatly simplify the interaction between them and uh, development. Without you, you don't need to switch focus. Uh, and they promised that it would be uh, very performant because it uh, it was using uh, uh, for for rendering it was using a native library and for the UI the compose framework is uh, quite good in terms of performance. Uh, so we gave it a try. So it started. Uh, like an example application, uh, we tried to build some things uh, looking similar to Toolbox, uh, just uh, uh, as a separate project. And as as the very early adopters, we faced a lot of issues. Uh, so, like uh, we we are using SVG images for all our icons. It, it was not supported at that time in Compose. Uh, many things like um, 
pop-ups, uh, menus, uh, things that you are used to have in desktop application, they were not supported. But the team was very helpful. Uh, they listened to all our feedback and they implemented everything very quickly. Uh, they helped when us did, a lot. When did you with start them. with this? I mean, when, when did you actually start this effort? Because you said uh, that they came to you around summer. So what was it, like October, November or so? Yeah, we, we, we had some... Uh, Tests, uh, but uh, actually we started converting the application in February uh, 2021, uh, and we released the this new version in July. So it took us that's not bad, like yeah, uh, six months. Uh, and we also implemented some new functionality in UI as well. And uh, I think we uh, probably. The, it would took us much more time when we uh, were using the previous approach. So one thing that you mentioned early on about your choice of going with something like C++ was that you didn't have to want to depend on the runtime, right? Yeah. Um, and, and for folks, to be clear, you know, Compose for Desktop right now runs on the JVM. And the yeah. conversion that you did from C++ to Kotlin was Kotlin targeting the JVM, correct? It wasn't to correct. Kotlin targeting native. So how did you solve the runtime issue? So since Java 9 and Java Runtime 9, uh, the Java is modular and there is a tool uh, called JLink that uh, can uh, cut down the size of the distribution uh, quite significantly uh, if you only need the uh, few parts of it. So we just uh, cut it down to like, I don't know, 20 or 30 megabytes, 30 megabytes, I think, per for the whole Java runtime. And it's it's not that much, I would say. So uh, uh, the, the, the Chromium engine is bigger. Right. But and, and but that doesn't produce an executable, right? That still produces a a, a jar or a Java image that then you need the JVM to to run it on, right? But it's self-contained. What you're saying? Yes, yes. Uh, in the newer versions of uh, JDK, uh, there there is a tool called JPackage that that could create a launcher. For, for you, but uh, we created our native launcher. That's the last part of C++ code in our application. It's few few files uh, that effectively loads uh, the JVM into memory and uh, provides it with the list of jars and calls the entry function, which like usually have a main function. <laughs> we have some some different function, but it uh, acts eff effectively like main function. So this this was not uh, a big problem. You can find tutorials how to uh, load uh, the JVM in your uh, native application quite easily. So what was the uh, main reason in in your opinion that you um that you did not like directly go with with Kotlin native when you uh, when you made the transition on the backend, right? Because I assume that when you only transitioned your business logic, um, 
I think it would be reasonable to say, hey, we want similar performance, so we'll still go to something that compiles natively. And you probably didn't even imagine at that point that there would be uh, some kind of new UI framework for the JVM on the horizon. Well, there it is a myth that uh, Java is not performant. Java is very performant. Uh, so uh, uh, performance is not an issue for Kotlin on JVM. And uh, why didn't we go with the Kotlin native? Uh, well, Kotlin native is uh, not very stable, I would say. Um, we maybe <laughs> need to cut this. But... <laughs> oh no! What do you mean? <laughs> this is the best part. This is what oh, we okay. live for. Yeah. This is steady. Okay. This is. In fact, we we should make the trailer like the the teaser. Like, oh, call it native is not very performant. That should be the teaser. Okay. Sorry. Continue. No. Uh, I I, <laughs> I, I want to say it's not it's not it's not very stable. So oh, stable. Uh, the, the, okay, yeah. Uh, the, the, there are a lot of issues uh, with the Kotlin native still. So, um, for example, coroutines, um, you know, uh, memory model. They they are doing a great job and they are solving all those issues one by one. Uh, but uh, for 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 us, it's not yet there to. To try it, and also the very important part is the third-party libraries. Again, uh, we we cannot implement everything ourselves, and with JVM we have a lot of uh, uh, choice of what what to use when we need some functionality. With Kotlin native, it's much more complicated. But what about C? I mean, the whole promise of interrupting with C. I mean, I'm not talking about interrupting with C plus plus because even Bjorn Storzer mm-hmm. was saying that C++ can't interrupt with C++. Uh, but but what about C? Uh, yeah, you can. Um, I tried it. It works. Uh, but it's still, it's not the same. Uh, and it requires much more effort than uh, just putting another dependency in your build Gradle file. Still, which nowadays is actually kind of scary. <laughs> yes, Seth, right? Or, that, or your NPMs. You don't know what you're going to pull in. At least with C, you know what you're pulling in. <laughs> with NPM, it's like, oh, well, if someone hasn't hijacked the account and pushed something bad, yeah. So, but speaking of dependencies, are there are there any particular libraries that really kind of helped you or where you said like, oh, this was much easier to do now now that we're in Kotlin uh, versus your, your C++ and JavaScript implementations beforehand? Yeah, uh, things like... Uh, uh, the libraries that were already used in IntelliJ, uh, which we were able just uh, to put in and profit from the uh, years of uh, experience of our colleagues, like uh, searching, uh, integ- uh, some integrations, uh, like um, uh, this very desktop stuff, but we need to work with proxy servers. Uh, we have a lot of enterprise customers that have proxy servers uh, set up in their environments and detecting them, for example, that's uh, that's what we've got with the JVM. Uh, and the whole Kotlin ecosystem. So we actively use coroutines, Kotlin X serialization uh, and Compose, as I said. 
I just wanted to ask one more kind of follow-up question in regards to uh, Compose and Compose for Desktop, because I would assume, or at least from my perspective, uh, it was it was kind of an interesting transition coming from a React background, because for me it was like, hey, all of this feels kind of familiar. I like I just get to write, uh, I just get to write Kotlin now, but the and and the functions are maybe named a little bit differently. But I feel like a lot of the uh, the concepts kind of transfer over. How did that feel for you folks? Uh, kind of similar, yeah. The the we even found a great blog post somewhere on the internet uh, with a dictionary of uh, React to compose uh, terms, how to convert uh, familiar React constructs to to their compose counterparts. Uh, I, I like the approach of uh, stateless functions that produce the the UI, uh, and we we already uh, uh, did this in React, so the transition was very natural for us. All right, I think that's actually that's really exciting to hear because that means that you know people who are uh, maybe currently building. Uh, web applications or like electron applications, uh, it might lower their barrier of entry to say, hey, we're if you want to get uh, a native user interface, uh, getting something rendered with Compose, it's going to feel very natural. You're just going to, essentially, you're going to have to learn vocabulary much more than grammar or new concepts. So um, the fact that that translates over, I think, is is pretty neat. In regards to the the user interfaces um, and kind of the designs that you had there, beforehand you had a a, a pre-made library, right, of of components mm-hmm. uh, called Ring UI. Uh, and how did you end up migrating uh, your your user interface over to Compose as well? Could you just expand a little on that? Uh, yeah, uh, Compose uh, comes from Android uh, initially. And uh, there is a material uh, design uh, framework uh, for Android and its implementation as a library for Compose. So it provides all the widgets like buttons, uh, checkboxes, and so on. And we started using it uh, just to kickstart the project and to make it running. But then we gradually rewrite, I think, Right now, we have rewritten every every component into our own implementation uh, because uh, Material uh, Library is very opinionated. Uh, they target uh, mobile devices in the first place. So, um, for example, uh, it um, dictates that every element uh, must have a minimal size because otherwise you won't be able to tap a button with the with the with your finger and uh, these uh, sizes are quite different uh, for mobile and desktop on desktop you can have uh, much smaller buttons just fine so we decided to rewrite everything and to uh, we are hoping uh, that at some time we could open source our library with the uh, desktop uh, like widgets which will uh, provide uh, the functionality that targets uh, desktop in the first place so 
as I said, with the with the sizes of of elements and also with the features like hovering. You you can you cannot hover a button on your mobile phone, at least it's not detected. Uh, but on uh, desktop, it's usual when you hover some element, your cursor changes. Again, another thing that doesn't exist on mobile, or it, uh, the element is highlighted. So all these things we needed to re-implement by ourselves. Um, and apart from that, would you say that the transition from, well, I suppose CSS style sheets to compose uh, attributes and modifiers uh, was a rather straightforward one, or is there, is there kind of a, a difference in in approach uh, for between those two layout engines? Yeah, they they indeed have a very different approach. Uh, and uh, Compose uh, basically provides you with the rows and columns of elements uh, so you can stack them vertically or horizontally. And in fact, it's enough to build a good-looking interface in most cases. Um, and with the paddings, for example, with also greatly simplified, you don't have two... Uh, uh, Padding and margin, two entities, you have only paddings, and then you just uh, uh, stack them in the uh, right order. Um, so it is a bit different with the, uh, you need to get used to use uh, these modifiers in Compose, but that's not the thing that uh, blocks you at whatever moment. So you just get used to it in a few weeks and then it feels uh, very naturally. So, uh, Victor, I see that the sun is shining uh, on you, which you know what it means. It means it's time for us to wrap this up because otherwise you're going to melt. Living in Munich, I know that you're not accustomed to such sun. Uh, so beautiful segue, right? Right? Exactly. Uh, yeah. Segway. Uh, right. So what's next for Toolbox? Oh, great question. <laughs> we have a lot of I plans. Uh, <laughs> we have a lot of plans and I'm not sure <laughs> what, what can I talk about. But we are working and uh, providing better integration with the operating system and uh, to, to be better install and integrate uh, the tools we install. We're also working on integration with the other JetBrains tools. Uh, we're also helping Compose team to get the framework uh, uh, released. Uh, so we still provide a lot of feedback to them and I hope we are helping them on this journey. As I said, we we are thinking about open sourcing part of the library to provide desktop widgets uh, for for everyone who wants to start their Compose for desktop application. Yeah, and I think you really raised a, a good point that I, I think it's worth... Uh, reminding everyone on, before we go, which is there is this impression that the JVM is not performance, and it is, right? You know, the the, the folks normally, especially folks that haven't worked with Java or the JVM or any of the JVM languages, they have this bias towards, oh, the JVM is old and clunky and Java applications are old and clunky. <laughs> They're so not. They're so not. 
Um, but anyway, how many users do you actually have right now for Toolbox? Do you have a rough number you could share? One million. One million, One million. monthly active users. Wow, that is cool. That is very, very cool. So let's uh, let's come back to this uh, in a year and let's make sure that that hits about two to four million anywhere, anywhere between that, right? <laughs> nice, nice, nice little uh, target there. But uh, yeah, it was yeah. great having you on the show, uh, Victor. Uh, it was it was a lot of fun. Thanks for having me. Seb, you want to roll us out with all uh, the shebang of the bing bong ding dang dong stuff? Of, of know, course. I mean, at, the, at this point, you you would think that that people already know what to do, right? Which is like, subscribe, hit the bell, leave comments, po positive mostly, hopefully. Uh, I know we've had a discussion about that previously, and I guess Hardy is going to play us out. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. I'll, play, I'll play you out. No, no. One day. <laughs> one day I will play you out, but not today. Wow, you're such a tease. All right. Well, with but that... I'll sing yesterday. <laughs> All my troubles seem so far away. Right. Until next time. Take care, everyone. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.